When a rich or famous or powerful man or woman dies, I usually wonder, and where are you today? What does it count? If you have gained riches and power and glory and fame and lose your own soul. Jesus says, well, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? In 1977, I started attending a church in Dallas, just north of Dallas, a church called Word of Faith. Robert Tilton was the pastor. When I began going there in 1977, we met in an old warehouse. Probably 200 people would have been a big congregation for us at that time. By the time I left there in 1982, we had an auditorium that seated 8,000 people, had television and recording equipment for the recording of all services. And then by the late 1980s, by the early 1990s, that church was completely destroyed. It was completely destroyed. I mean, it was leveled to the ground. There's not a sign up that a church ever met at that location today. What happened? I do know the story of this because I was in the middle of the story of this. I started attending that church in 1977. By 1980, God had already put me in the ministry on radio and I was broadcasting from coast to coast on radio. I was called by God as an apostle and prophet according to Ephesians chapter 4. After Jesus arose, he gave to the church some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. As a prophet, God often showed me sins people were committing and I would have to go to them and bring correction to them and try to turn them back to the Word of God. This is what prophets do. You can read about John the Baptist. That's what he did. I liked Bob Tilton very much and I warned him and I delivered a very strong message to him at one point because he killed a prophet. He had a television show in Dallas. Well, it was all over the United States. And he invited a woman from our own church group who was identified as a prophet. He invited her to be on his TV show. Just before they went on camera, Bob said, Ava, just one thing. Don't mention anything about being a prophet because it's unpopular. She called me that night crying and told me what had happened. I knew immediately what the sentence was going to be on Bob because he killed a prophet. 
by stopping her from talking. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, Jesus says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children to gather, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. I knew that was what was going to happen to Bob Tilton. His house would be left unto him desolate. And it was because he killed this prophet. I made a recording for Bob and sent it to him. I knew him well and he knew me well. I sent him this recording and told him this. Because you did this, your house will be left unto you desolate. Instead of falling down and repenting and crying out to God for, for, to be forgiven, Here's what Bob did. I got a report from the Word of Faith's office staff. I said to one of them, did he hear that recording? And she said, oh, yes, he heard it. And so did we. She said he called us in to listen to it, and Marty, his wife, was there. And he played the recording that you sent, and then he took it out and took scissors and cut it in little pieces, the tape, and threw it in the wastebasket, and we began claiming scripture over it to counteract the sentence of destruction. I said, that doesn't matter a bit. He can't destroy that message. As long as he heard it, it will come back to haunt him the rest of his life as he goes into destruction, which I knew he would do. He was already in destruction. He had announced from the pulpit he was going to be bigger than Kenneth Copeland. He was going to have more radio and television stations than Copeland. That's called emulation. That's a work of the flesh and a sin. Galatians chapter 5, under works of the flesh, it's verses 19 through 21. When you set out to be greater than someone else, to exalt yourself that way, that is a sin. That's emulation. I was there at the church when Bob went on radio the first time. And he was so excited about it. That's all right to be excited. But he made that statement because I heard it. And then he got to be on television even greater. And he didn't want to be unpopular because he had an ad agency that wouldn't put up with that. That same agency that's Bob's agent told me, don't say anything unpopular. Well, they didn't keep me for about, I was there about four months because prophets always say, say things that are unpopular. That's their job, is to present the truth of God in the midst of a wicked world to try to turn people to God. And of course it's going to be unpopular with the disobedient. Well, I knew the philosophy of their ad agency. That same agency represented Jimmy Swaggart, Kenneth Copeland, Marilyn Hickey, Bob Tilton at the time I was in their circles. That was 1980, 82. 
They would not permit you to speak anything unpopular if they could keep from doing it. They even told me not to send out anything in writing to anyone until they first edited it. Why, that's not being a prophet. You can't be a prophet that way. At one point, God gave me judgment messages, and I spoke them on radio. And they were very unpopular with the church people. Prophets are always persecuted by the churches. That's always been the way it was. The Jews persecuted the prophets. Jesus, the the prophet, was killed by the Jews. John the Baptist was beheaded because of the message he spoke to Herod concerning adultery, because John the Baptist told Herod that he committed adultery, that it was not lawful for him to have his brother's wife, Herodias. She arranged for John the Baptist to be beheaded, and it was Herod who beheaded John the Baptist. This is the role of prophets. They're always stoned and hated by the church people. That's who, the, that's who they're sent to. So it's not unusual. It's a common thing. I was uh, speaking on radio in Seattle, Washington. The radio station manager said to me, Joan, you have many wonderful messages. Just speak those messages. If you keep speaking these judgment messages, I don't know what we're going to do with you. We might have to put you off the air. And the Holy Spirit rose up in me and spoke through me. George, if I don't speak the message that I believe to be from God, then I don't have a message and I may as well be off the air. That's so much truth that astounds me to this day. If I don't speak that message that God wants spoken at that exact moment, I may as well be off the air because I don't have a message. There is no message but the message that God wants you to speak. And you have to speak that message. You can't alter the message. That's the role of a minister of God. That's really the role of every one of us. When you're speaking to your friends or family, that which the Holy Spirit wants spoken, He will bring to your mind, and you have to be brave enough to speak it, or disciplined enough to speak it. I was visiting with my favorite aunt back in the 70s, 80s. All her life, she'd been in Church of Christ. As I was sitting there talking with her, the Holy Spirit brought this to my mind. Tell her about being taken into heaven. Oh, I didn't want to do that. This is a Church of Christ member. They don't have supernatural events there that they talk about. But I knew it was the Holy Spirit saying that. So I had to yield to doing what I heard to do from the Holy Spirit, which is each of our responsibilities in this life. So I did. I told her. I said, Aunt Ardeth, after I was born again, I was transported into heaven in the night. I was with God. I was with Christ. I was with the Holy Spirit. I saw no images. It was a spiritual experience. And at that time, I was merged into the body of Jesus. I noticed that she had kind of a dreamy look on her face when I talked to her. It wasn't hostile or angry or fearful. It was dreamy. 
like she was remembering something. And then I told her it happened to me another time, four or five nights after this. It happened the second time, just like the first time. And she said, something like that happened to me once, and it was all golden. I wouldn't be surprised, but what she never told another person other than me, that she had been taken into heaven like I had. She was always different from everyone else. It causes you to be different. That's our job, is to speak what the Holy Spirit wants spoken. We don't plan out a list of things we're going to say ahead of time. We speak by the Spirit of God. We speak those things which God calls to our attention, whether they are events, circumstances that we've had, things that have happened to us that God has brought our way, or scriptures. We just share them as we are speaking to other people. They will do the works of God. I warned Robert Tilton and delivered the message to him that because he destroyed a prophet by refusing to let her speak as she should, his house would be left unto him desolate. That was in 1982. In 1991, ABC News did an expose about Robert Tilton, and they presented it on November 21, 1991, on ABC's Primetime Live. They showed examples of prayer requests that were sent to Robert Tilton upon his request to send him your prayer requests. Those prayer requests were sent by the thousands to his church in Farmer's Branch, Texas. They were automatically forwarded to a bank in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where bank clerks opened the prayer request, removed the money, and threw the prayer request into the garbage and the prayer request ended up in the dumpsters behind the banks, and ABC recovered some of those prayer requests. Robert Tilton was making $80 million a year, according to Primetime, at that time from those prayer requests. Because when people sent the prayer requests, they would put typically money in the envelope with the prayer request. It was a terrible thing and is still done by ministers today. My own ad agency, which was Tilton's ad agency, which was Marilyn Hickey's ad agency and Kenneth Copeland's ad agency, and at that time had been Jimmy Swaggart's ad agency. My own ad agency came to Dallas to visit with me in 1980, and they told me just one thing we want you to do. On your printed materials put send me your prayer request and I said oh I don't want to do that and it shocked them they said said you don't and I said no they should pray they go to God through Jesus they go directly to God by faith they should pray the ad agent said to me well Joan you're missing a good bet because when they send those prayer requests. 
they will usually put some money in the envelope. That's what preachers are taught to do. When you see that send me your prayer request, this is basically to get your money. There's no way they can pray over the number of prayer requests that they receive. They can't do it. Tilton tried to defend himself by saying, oh, I'd lay my hands on those envelopes. No, they didn't. Well, he couldn't have done it that way anyway. To be effective, a prayer has to be effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It has to be effectual. It has to be according to the will of God. It has to be red hot with a fire of God. They can't do that with that kind of thing. What I tell people is you pray. And if you pray according to the will of God, your prayer will be answered. So if your prayer isn't being answered, it's probably because you're not according to the will of God. You're wanting something God doesn't want you to have that would be bad for you. He's protecting you. Pray according to the will of God. First John chapter 5 tells you that. I think it's about verse 18. It's on down in the middle of the chapter. You must pray according to the will of God. Tilton doesn't know the will of God for you. I don't know the will of God for you. Nobody knows the will of God for you but God and the Holy Spirit who reveals his will to you. So see, it's all a scam. It's all a gimmick. It's all a fundraising technique. I wouldn't do it. I, I didn't do it. Well, the ad agency threw me out. I got a phone call from them or a letter from them saying, Oh, Joan, unfortunately, we have to eliminate some of our clients, and unfortunately, you are one of the ones that we are going to remove. Therefore, we will not be representing you after, and they gave a date. They told me, they said, we can go into Pittsburgh and fill Soldiers and Sailors Auditorium for you. We will go in about a week ahead of your meetings, and we will go to the pastors of the churches and get them to recommend that people come to your meetings. There's just one thing. You must not say anything on your radio broadcast that isn't popular. I'm a prophet. I'm a minister of God. What did Paul say? What did he say in Galatians chapter 1? Verse 10 for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. As ministers of God, we are to speak the word God gives us in the situation. We are to speak the message that God gives us on the specific date that we are speaking when he brings it to us. We don't speak of ourselves if we're real ministers of God. We transmit the message God wants spoken. Often I will awake in the morning and I will have a message, a clear message, that I know God wants spoken on podcast that day. And I will record it that day and present it also on Twitter. That's just the way it is. 
A real minister does not speak of his own will. He speaks what God wants spoken at that exact time. And if we don't speak the message that we believe to be from God, we don't have a message, so we may as well not speak it. We're just speaking into the air, and it will avail nothing to anyone. But if we speak the message God gives us, it will fulfill a need in your life, or it will turn you a certain way away from sin and back to God. It will awaken you to the sins around you and cause you to depart from them. So Robert Tilton killed a prophet back in 1982 by telling her, don't mention being a prophet on the TV show, for it is not popular. He went after popularity. Then, by 1991, he had already done all this fundraising and ABC Primetime Live investigated him and found that the he was asking them to send them prayer requests. Send me your prayer request, he was saying, on his printed material and on his TV shows. And people were sending them, and he was receiving $80 million a year. $80 million. When ABC gave their expose in 1991 in November, after that, the money reduced to $2 million a year, according to ABC Primetime. It went down from $80 million to $2 million. It's really a shame that a minister has to be judged by television, worldly television. They should be judged by the church, but the church doesn't do their job in keeping control of ministers, and they run rampant. But it should be judged by us, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 5. Well, after that expose, there was a man in Tilton's own church who sued him in the U.S. courts for fraud and extortion. Tilton was saying that if you give to me, you will receive a hundredfold return. That is a terrible perversion of Scripture because the hundredfold return has nothing to do concerning giving offerings at church, although many ministers will use that scripture to try to get you to give money to them. We will look at the hundredfold return scripture. It's in Matthew 19, verse 27. Peter said to Jesus, Behold, we have forsaken all and have followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of glory, ye also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, 
shall receive an hundredfold and shall inherit everlasting life. It has nothing to do with giving offerings at church. But many ministers use this to extort money from the body of Christ. The hundredfold return has to do with our following the Holy Spirit, doing what he says to do, and following Jesus even if it means not being popular, which it will mean not being popular. Because when you speak what God wants you to speak and do what God wants you to do, your own household will object to you and rise up against you. And Jesus says your foes will be they of your own household. So this man in Tilton's church tried to sue Tilton in the federal courts. And they would, the courts refused to hear the lawsuit. But several bad things happened to Bob Tilton. In the period of time after the primetime news expose in 1991, he and his wife divorced. Another woman came along and he wanted to marry her and did marry her. That's adultery. Then she filed a lawsuit against Tilton and they divorced. There was a third wife that he married. During that period of time, somehow, he lost the church. The church building in Farmer's Branch, which is just a few miles north of Dallas, the first church building, it was an 8,000-seat church building. And he somehow lost that. I don't know how they took that away from him. I guess in the divorce proceedings that he had, the multiple divorce proceedings, he Split, had to split up income with both his first wife and second wife, and then comes the third wife. And his offerings went way down after the scandal, from $80 million to $2 million. $2 million is still a great deal of money, but it's a lot less money than $80 million. But he ended up losing that church building. The city of Farmers Branch bought the property, And they had a plan for it, but then a a downturn in finances came. But then eventually, I think it was taken over by a professional hockey team, and they built a youth hockey center. There is no sign at all today that any church ever met at that location. It's gone, completely gone. Tilton moved to Florida tried to start another ministry, and then things got so bad somehow that he sold out what he had and traded it or something for a hotel in Culver City, California. There was a newspaper reporter who went to that Culver City location to attend a meeting, supposedly a church meeting. They met in a conference room And there were about six or eight people around the table, and Tilton was there. And they found out this reporter was a reporter. And they escorted him off the property and would not let him attend that meeting. But it was six or eight people in a conference room. That was his church at that time. That's all reported in Wikipedia on Internet if you go to Robert Tilton and then just look at the 
early ministry and scandals. But he was destroyed. And I knew it was killing that prophet when he told her, don't tell anyone that you're a prophet because it's not popular. He went after greatness. He went after fame, after money, after greatness. And he destroyed himself. And that's what many people do today. Ministers do that. People in churches do that. They ignore scripture and follow wealth and riches on this earth and do things they shouldn't do in order to get that money and that fame and that glory. And they end up with nothing. In Matthew 23, Jesus said, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you compass land and sea to make one proselyte, and when you make him get him, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourself. That's in Matthew 23. And these great people that die, most of them, I don't even know their name. I read the headlines on that CNN listing often, and somebody will die, and I don't know who that is, but they're obviously somebody famous, or CNN wouldn't tell about it. Where are they today? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world? What does it profit you if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? If you go against the Bible to get the riches that you want, how are you profited? In the end, you have nothing. We must do the scriptures, all the scriptures. The scriptures such as whosoever marrieth her that is divorced committeth adultery. The man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. The divorced woman who remarries commits adultery. We have several scriptures on that. And they are violated in churches today because they would not be popular. So they let people do things in churches that are against the written word of God in the New Testament Bible because they would not be popular. And because those people would leave those churches if they told a divorced woman, you can't remarry. It would be adultery, according to these scriptures. If they told the man, you can't marry a divorced woman, according to the scriptures, it would be adultery if you do. See, those aren't preached at your church. I've never heard them preached at any church. Because they would not be popular. If you omit portion of a scripture from your life or from a church, you allow Antichrist to come in and take over. For Antichrist means opposite to Christ. So if Christ says the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery and the preacher says, no, that isn't true, what is that? Antichrist. It's all over. And Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that Jesus could not return until there was first a falling away and Antichrist would be revealed, the man of sin, in the churches. He would be sitting in the temple of God. 
Well, he is sitting in the temple of God all over the world in churches today, teaching things, perverse things. That just simply means Jesus comes soon. And also the great tribulation comes soon. And the heaven and earth shall be shaken after the great tribulation. And then shall the Son of Man appear in the sky. Matthew 24. So the end is coming. The wickedness is increasing on this earth. Sin is being flaunted on this earth in a way that has not ever been seen before. Totally different morals and standards have been set up. Totally opposite to the Bible. Therefore, we must not go by what the world does, but renew our minds to the Bible. You can't even go by what they say in your churches without checking it according to the Bible. Because today, most churches are Antichrist, teaching things that men want to hear. And God said to me, they want to be approved in their sin. They want freedom to sin, whereas godly people want freedom from sin. And by the scriptures and doing the scriptures, we have freedom from sin. But they want freedom to sin. They want to be approved so they can continue in their sin. Therefore, those scriptures that would keep them from sinning have to be eliminated from the churches. And that is where you see the big crowds of people at church. One last story. I attended a museum dinner at Texas Tech when I lived in Lubbock, Texas. And we were seated by name cards at tables. When I got there, I was seated next to a man who was wearing the largest cross around his neck that I've ever seen. It was a wooden cross, and I suspect it was nine inches long. I knew there was going to be trouble over that. So I sat down, and he introduced himself to everyone at the table and said he was the former pastor at Indiana Street Baptist Church. And he said, oh, we've got such a problem at the church. We just can't resolve it. Well, everybody looked up. And he said, we have so many people trying to come to our church that we can't seat them. We've added on to the auditorium three times and we can't seat them. I said to him, well, if you would teach what Jesus said in Matthew 5.32, that the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, then about half of those people would leave you and you would have no trouble seating the people. His mouth fell open. I fled. I didn't stay for that dinner. I left. And what does it profit you or me if we gain the whole world but lose our own soul? because of the way we had to go about doing it, our compromises of integrity from the Bible, throwing scriptures out in order to please people, to get what we want, to get become great and famous and even wealthy.
Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.